This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back. Off season was short. I thought I have more time off, but we are back. Uh, first episode of the 2020-2021 season campaign. I am happy to announce that I have a co-host. You guys know him as Kings. It's Kings throwing the timeline. What's going on with you, man? Thank you for agreeing to be the co-host this season. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Uh, we had some good segments. Uh, a lot of the people on the timeline was loving it. So. <laughs> right. I think after the uh, the 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 Clipper funeral, uh-huh. I think that pretty much sealed sealed the contract. I said, like, let me get this guy on full time. Plus, I like uh-huh. you know uh, you understand again. We don't always see you know things the same way, but it's good to have somebody you can bounce off back and forth on, see the game a different way, and then kind of just you know talk about it from there. So I'm excited to get into that with you this season. Yeah, right. It's always it's always good to, you know, be able to go back and forth, be able to talk about different perspectives, especially with hoop. You know, there's so many different ways to right. win, so many different ways to be successful in hoop. So it's always good to get different views on that. Right. So with that going, say, you know, we came together, you know, uh, Kings is a Bron guy. I'm a Laker fan. Obviously, the, the marriage is going great after a rocky first <laughs> year. Second, <laughs> Lakers sealed the deal, got it done. Uh, Bron and AD delivered the chip. Um, in a pretty dominant postseason run, no no complaints either way. Um, with that being said, Palinka did not sit on his laurels. He got busy during the offseason. Uh, four key huge additions, uh, Marcus Saul in for JaVale McGee. You got Trez and Dennis Schroeder added to Super 6. Mano Dennis may be starting. And then, of course, um, got THT going to get a bigger role. Who else am I forgetting here? I know it was one guy for you. It was four guys. We got Wes. Wes, that was the one. Wes yeah. Matthews Hughes. To uh, you know, we got Rondo going out the door. So another point guard in, and you kept KCP, which is big. The Lakers have a lot of depth. I think this is the deepest the team has been since 2009, 2010. I would even argue that team's more talented at the guard and wing positions than that team. But that's yeah, over the front. Um, yeah, we were just talking about that on the timeline just right now. You know, yeah, so just give me your perspective of like how those new pieces fit in and where you see them uh, going. Um, yeah, man, I like my favorite pickup. I'll start with my favorite pickup. Uh, I definitely think the Dennis pickup was going to be very, very huge. That's one of I your guys. It's when he's been one of my guys since like uh, the first time I seen um, I seen him play and like get an in depth look at him was when Braun played uh, the Hawks. This is when the Hawks won like sixty some games, and like uh, this was when they swept them right. So uh, you know I never really liked Teague. I always thought Teague was kind of overrated, but 
for whatever reason, that dude Dennis, man, he was a pain. Like he was just, he was just like his speed was just very, very uh, problematic. I mean, it, announcers were even talking about how Brown was struggling to to keep in front of him. And I just thought that was always impressive. So he just won me over at that speed, and I followed him since. And he just plays so under control with his speed. He knows when and when when and where to use it. Um, his handles is is good. It's not it's not flashy, but it's good in that he he has it under control. He controls the ball when he's driving, and uh, he over the years he's just gotten more dynamic. I mean, I remember when he I remember like when he couldn't shoot at all. Like this dude used to just be really just up and down the court layup, you know, fin- you know, had the layup package and all that. But now he's doing pull up, uh, you know, mid range. He's doing threes. So like he's really just expanded his game since. And a lot of people don't understand he's 27 years old. Yeah. So you know he's just entered his prime. So like he hasn't really he hasn't gotten to his highest level yet. He's, there's still another gear he get has he has to reach, and he's already you know damn near put up 20 points in this league with six assists, and he's had big playoff games already. You know to this point, so it's not like you got somebody who can't perform in the playoffs. I mean, you know one of my one of the people on my timeline I saw that remember that he was battling Pete John Wall at one point. I mean, this dude was battling Pete Wall. This you saw him battle Harden last year in on in the pivotal game four. So right. it's like this he's not he has no fear. He's super confident in himself and his ability. And on the floor he just gives the Lakers what they needed in terms of he makes their offense less predictable. Yeah, that's what, I, that's I, think. what I said. The thing about the thing with Dennis for me is the confidence that you just tapped on. Like you said, this even those series with uh, Atlanta against the Cleveland where it was clear, you know, the LeBron's clearly the best player on the court is going to win the series. Dennis did not back down. Mm-hmm. I've been a fan from that point. Um, and I think, like you said, his ability to initiate from the pick and roll and just look, give LeBron a break. That was my own, that's been my only thing. Like, just give, give LeBron some time to just, so let him play off ball and not worry about the offense going down the tube. Dennis can run an offense. He's got a great pick and roll partner in Trez if they want to work yep. that game. Brock is sitting. The trans, uh, Dennis can run it with AD if necessary. It was just the options that Dennis wait that Dennis opens up. Whether he starts or comes off the bench, he said he's starting, which is fine with me. You know, right. given how the team is constructed, um, Frank has shown he's capable of, of managing minutes, so I'm not worried about that as far as rotations and lineups. It's all about who finishes for me anyway. But exactly. I'm excited about Dennis, the, the the guy. I'm most excited about what was Gasol, and and that was on the <laughs> play tonight. That was my yeah. personal favorite addition. Uh, it's well documented my issues with JaVale McGee the last couple <laughs> on the roster. I, I was not a fan. Just upgrading him with somebody who is as smart as Gasol. Just in the preseason game, like the passes he's able to make yeah. and create for other guys is just ridiculous. He passes like another point. He's a, he's a point center at this point. Yeah, in his he is. And just the, 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 the shots he's able to create for other guys, whether it be from the post or the top of the key, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him on the court with LeBron. The passing, just the IQ, collective IQ of the team just supremely rose with, with Gasol coming into the fold. Yeah, man. I mean, Gasol, like, I, I always knew he, he was a good passer from his Memphis days. He was always a nice facilitator out the post. But he's just gotten better at it over the years. And you can mm. see the experience, the battles, and the playoffs. Yes. The title yes. run has just made him much better at making reads and, I mean, he he was basically almost a second point guard tonight, you know, for the, for the Lakers. Like somebody made a point. They said if the, if the Clippers trade for Gasol, he'd be their best uh, playmaker, and it probably wouldn't be close. And I was like, that's probably true, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, man, Gasol, whew, that's a great, great pickup. I mean, like I made a point 
you know, I've been hard on Kuz, but, you know, I made a point that I told somebody, I said, I could see Kuz this year still averaging 12 points like he did last year, but on way better efficiency because he won't struggle to get off his shot. Now that you have Gasol, now that you have Dennis who plays fast, and you have uh, Braun, he will actually have guys who will give him the ball when he cuts. Like I saw, especially in the first game when, uh, when Dennis was starting, uh, Dennis was pushing the floor and, and passing up the rock. He wasn't Rondo where, you know, he <laughs> dribble, 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 you know, yeah. wants to read the defense to, to, to get whatever he wants to get off, you know, because Rondo, you know, he has confidence in his IQ because he's been in the wars and all that. But, you know, Dennis is more up-tempo, like how Kuz likes to play quick decisions, make a quick uh, pass. And this, and this all is the same way, you know, a quick read off the high post to the to the flashing cutter. And that's the that's the way Kuz likes to play. So I definitely can see Kuz having a better efficient scoring year this year where he'll score probably as much as he did last year, but on much better efficiency. Like, he'll definitely get less touches because there's more talent, but he'll maximize it a lot more. And then another yeah. – obviously, another key pickup was Trez and uh, – it's controversial. Yeah, we we, we we a little we we differ a little bit on this pickup. So go ahead, I'm I'm gonna respond after. It was controversial, you know. I at first at first I honestly I, I won't even lie to you. At first when I heard it, I was like, man, I don't really like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I'm not sure, you know, because Baines was there, Pibaco was there. I was like, man, I'm not sure. But you know, I, I sat I sat back I sat back I sat I thought about it. Um, and then I looked at the tape, and I was like, you know what? This should this should be fine because the Clippers were using him in bad positions for two reasons. Um, one, they ran too much drop coverage with Trez. Uh, he's not a rim protector. Um, and two, a lot of the pick-and-roll situation Trez was in was with Lou Williams. And so, that's bad. And that's bad. You know, you know what I mean? So, like, like somebody made a good point. When you look at Trez's rating with Trez on the court without Lou Williams, they're a good defense. And you and you see why they had because the top six defense. Because the Clippers had the top six defense last year, you no know, defensive rating-wise. Just in the playoffs, you, know, you, get, you get matchups exposed. So yeah, they, they, the playoffs, they have to be bad at yeah, right. Yeah, in the playoffs, you get hunt on those matchups. And then when you, but when you dig deep into the numbers, you see how that was able to happen. When you have Trez on the court with other guys who can switch, who can defend the pick and roll, he's he's good. He's serviceable. You know, he's serviceable. He's not the best. You know what I mean? Like, he's still going to struggle, you know, with certain guys. But he, he's, he's serviceable with switch, pick and roll. He can switch here and there. But when you play him with a bad guard defender in the pick and roll, then you have two pick and roll liabilities. And Trez isn't good enough to make up for somebody as bad as we will. So he just looked, it just looked awful. And obviously, Trez is undersized. You know, it's already bad enough for regular-sized big men to guard Jokic. Somebody like Trez, who's undersized, is going to get destroyed. So, you know what I mean? So, it's like, I looked at that. I was like, you know, the Lakers, when they play Trez, they're not going to leave him on the island with those type of bigs. Mm. You know, they were. that's why they were in the hunt for, like, a starting five, because they're not going to leave Trez on the island with that type of bigs. They're either going to play him with AD you know, to give Braun or uh, a rest, or they're going to play him with Gasol, you know what I'm saying, or uh, play him with Keith, who's a big body, who they can throw on the five. And those guys are going to space the floor for him so where he can still be a factor offensively as a role man, and those guys are the stretch big. Similar, I understand what you're saying. Also, to to your point, AD is, to me, was the best mistake eraser in in basketball defensively last Mm -hmm. year. Whenever the Lakers mm-hmm. were making mistakes defensively, he would be there to cover it up on the back exactly. end 
which I think we both agree he was the defensive player of the year, and that that was kind of mm-hmm. something he got he got robbed on. So uh, I'm with you there. My my, my thing with Trez is um, I have a little bit of the, the defensive uh, issues, and then uh, just the kind of the way he unplugged in the playoffs. But that might have been a Clipper issue, not a Trez issue. The whole way the whole thing kind of went down. Uh, those guys yeah. kind of revolted against uh, you. Read, read the article more so against Paul George than Kawhi with, with <laughs> yeah. the preferential treatment, but. Um, I just, I just wasn't sure about the fence, especially since the the Lakers like to keep, uh, you know, a certain amount of spacing on the floor around Brian and AD. He's not a, a three-point shooter. But um, right. I do I – do, what, what I did see was um, in a year where energy might be an issue because of the quick turnaround and the longer season, people don't understand. The Lakers, they had a break. Like, there's a four-month break. But those guys are working out still because they are assuming the season is coming back. So they're in full workout mode. Those four months are off. They didn't really rest. So I think right. the Lakers have been going at this for a while. And in a season where there's going to be uh, maybe like you have energy, I think Trez will provide that at the least. Like uh, just a hustle play here, a big putback mm-hmm. dunk, a big weak side block, just plays like that to inspire the team. And I think that's where he'll be. But I'm, 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 I don't know where he fits in a, in a playoff rotation at this point with, you know, AD and LeBron and, and Mark and Keith. I'm, I'm just curious about that. So what do you think about that? For me, Trez in a playoff rotation, like I said, he's going to have to be uh... – a, a big who's going to be able to switch. Um, uh, he's going to have to be that switch five. That's uh-huh. where that's where we're going to have to pay attention to Trez because that's how that's going to determine if he can get minutes. I mean, he's obviously not a true rim protector. He's obviously not somebody who's going to be able to sit on bigs in the interior. But when you play, you know, when you play a team like Dallas, you know what I'm saying, or you play a team like you know. Uh, like, uh, not say Portland, let's say, like, you play a team like, you know, Boston, you know what I'm saying, Some a team that's lengthy, that ha- doesn't really have a real big man, you know what I mean, doesn't have a true big that's going to dominate in the interior, but they have a lot of five-out offense, they have mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, pick-and-roll, pick pick-and-pop type offense, you know, you want a big who's athletic enough to be able to, you know, switch out and, uh, you know, recover on defense, on those type of movements. And uh, you kind of saw that, I think, in today's preseason game or tonight's preseason game. There's a lot of uh, possessions where Trez was switching on Kawhi or he was switching on PG. And I thought that was interesting because um, I, I know, I remember uh, especially when uh, with Vogel, especially early on, he didn't like to switch a lot uh, early on in the regular season last year. So I thought it was pretty interesting. With Trez, he was already trying to switch. And I think that was him trying to get a mental note of how – you know, valuable Trez would be against a contending team like that. Uh, Clippers being one of the teams you would you would play switch defense on, where they have a lot, they have a wing oriented type of team, mm-hmm. and it's going to be switch heavy type. You're gonna, you're basically going to have to be switch heavy defense. I mean, same thing like if you play a Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to switch on, on that type of team. Playing drop coverages in Brooklyn, you're getting spanked by Kyrie and uh, KD. So yeah, I got to say what I mean? one one of the things that impressed me a lot with Vogel was his ability to adjust on the fly, like yep. you know, playing certain guys and playing certain guys. You know, a knock on him in Indiana in Orlando was how stubborn he was uh, in his way. So seeing that as a Laker, that was very his 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 yep. evolution as a coach. So I will say that I do understand what you're saying there. He has right. the ability to to adjust and put guys in the best position for themselves to succeed. Uh, last last addition we haven't touched on yet. One I'm also really excited about um, was Wesley Matthews. Why I love it is a the defense he brings is is documented top shelf. Uh, secondly, in this past decade. He is the highest scoring player from the left corner three point line. And yes, those are the shocking. shots. 
those are the shots you're going to get with LeBron and AD. I think his fit is going to be just glove in hand. He's a hard-nosed guy, does a lot of dirty work. He's going to be hungry for a championship. Mm-hmm. Energize whole team. I'm also excited about Wesley Matthews as well. I can't wait to see him. Absolutely. You know, with the whole with the whole group in the fold. So, you know, just real quick, touch on what you think about Wesley's going to bring to the team. Yeah, man. I mean, he's better than Danny Green for a fraction of the price. <laughs> I mean, just just to put clean and cut. I mean, no disrespect to Danny Green, but Danny Green has been kind of a liability a little bit. You know, the it was moments where Nick Nurse was was trying to you know put him away for Fred Van Fleet and, you know, Powell, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, and I'm pretty sure – I I don't think OG played a lot in that title run, correct? If, correct me if I'm wrong. Right, I think OG was hurt. If OG was there, I'm pretty sure Danny Green wouldn't – like, like you know, like kind of how I tweeted, if Avery Bradley was there, Danny Green wouldn't play more than 15 minutes a night. If OG and then boy was there, he wouldn't be playing more than 15 minutes a night either, you know what I mean? So it's like it's one of those things where Danny Green, he's solid for what he does, but he's very inconsistent at the three. He's also old, so he's a, little, he's a little bit slower. But the good thing about Danny Green is teams have to respect his three-point shot. So just him being on the floor is just automatic spacing because, like, teams just have to respect his three-point shot mm-hmm. in his career. But Wes Matthews is – basically, Wes Matthews has a rep of Danny Green as a shooter. But at this point, Wes actually has a production of what you expect Danny Green to give you. Yes. You know, Wes yes. is a premier yes. wing defender. It's not He's not just, you know – a hypothetical or, oh, he's pretty good wing defender. No, he's, like, as good as it – he's arguably as good as it gets outside of, like, just all NBA defenders. Like, he's I as agree. good as it gets for, like, a role-player uh, perimeter defense. I mean, this guy was giving Jimmy fits. This guy was giving Kawhi fits last year. I mean, he gives everybody fits. And like you said, he's the highest point total from the left corner. And, uh, you know, that's corn, that shot's going to be open. And like uh, like other people are talking about, he, he can do other things too. Like, he could catch – you know, he can take the ball off the DHO and do a pull-up midi. You know what I mean? Like, he's more dynamic than uh, Danny Green. Danny Green's uh, more, like, more conventional. You know, he's just going to catch and shoot. You know, he's going to come off the screen, just catch and shoot. But, uh, you know, Wes is going to come off the screen. He's going to make a move. He's, you know what I mean? He's going to um, cut off a, you know, off a, uh, off a, off a screen into the inside to try and finish as well. So uh, he always gonna he has the confidence to also try to take guys off the dribble if need be in an emer- break glass in case of an emergency situation. So right, I think he's just, he's just a little more. He gives you what Danny Green does at a higher level, and he's a little more versatile. He's or just, more versatile, yeah. Like half the cost, <laughs> like one fifth the cost. Yeah, I mean, one fifth, not even half, a fifth of the cost. Right. He makes three point six million. We pay Danny Green fifteen million. Right, right. We don't get better than that. Yeah, so just – yeah, exactly. Just, you know, just wanted to touch on all the new additions that we're all excited about. The Lakers definitely didn't sit on their laurels. But the story of tonight's preseason game, obviously, was Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, I recall you pushing for him to get him in his last year because you kind of saw mm-hmm. this coming. You saw his potential. Um, I remember I was enamored with his just his, his measurables, his length and his his wingspan of his size at the – playing the two-guard spot. And just, you can tell just a year of just – conditioning, his body's filling out properly, he's shedding some of the baby fat, the skill yeah. work, the, the ball handle is so much tighter than, than the shot is just so much more consistent. Um, mm-hmm. I think Vogels is to the point where he has to carve out a place in the rotation for this guy. He's going to push somebody to <laughs> to the back of the bus for just less minutes. Um, it, yep. it can't be denied at this point. So just go ahead and talk about THT and where you think he fits going forward. Man, the potential was always there. The talent was always there. I mean, it's just one of those guys you just have to, like I said, you just you know, when, when we talk about 
uh, eye test. I guess when people say eye test, that was THC last year. Like you just had to watch him right. to see. Like he just has he had a skill set where it's like, man, look, you can't coach this type of type of talent, bro. Like you can't coach the moves. Like he had a move in the first game where he almost broke Paul George. He made his knees buckle. Like we can't teach players that type of skill. You know that type of you know, ball control and ball, and ball handling. He has that at 20 years old. Like, Kawhi basically asked, Wes, how old is this dude? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's giving us the work. He's And he's, like, young as hell. So, you know, THT, man, he has a lot of talent ball handling. And the thing I like about him, he's poised and he's hungry. Uh, and he's very coachable. Um, he's humble. He has yeah, a humble speaking, approach. Speaking to your point about coachability, um, I remember I, I, I tweeted about this. The, the, um, the first game just made defensive mistakes, like, a lot. He – pretty much cut them down the second game. Just and, mm-hmm. it, and it was all off the ball. But he's where he's supposed to be in help and recover. Like he cleaned mm-hmm. it up in, in one game. And I think for a twenty year old, that's very impressive. And on the ball, he's just he's very scrappy talking. He took took the ball from Kawhi. He bodies up on Paul George when they try to drive. He's just a competitor, man. He's a competitor. Just a typical Chicago bred hooper, if you think yep. about, you know, the, just a very tough, uh, gonna make you work for everything, not scared to mix it up even if a guy's perceived as, you know, better or more talented. And I think yep. the Lakers just, you know, you spoke about their, their ability to hit on these um, on these late draft picks is going to be key going forward. It's where, honestly, to me, I've said this, that's where the Warriors failed in yes. plugging, their, plugging their run. If you don't hit on those later draft picks that are cost-controlled assets and to keep you uh, in, a, in a safe cap space while you're over and still have control of young, good assets, um, it's tough for you to, to as you get cap strapped as the deals go longer. It's hard to stay uh, competitive. But the Lakers seem to keep finding these guys. You know, a Caruso late, THT late. So um, I'm, I'm excited about what that guy can bring. So go ahead. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, like yeah, you hit a good point because I know a lot of my, you know, Warriors, our Warriors Mitchell's complain about that with, with the draft pick. I mean, like, imagine if you know, and I think Poole is going to be a, a a pretty solid rotation player. I think he has potential. To be a, a solid player, but imagine if they drafted THT instead. He's their six man. He's their six man. <laughs> yeah, he's their he's their six man. You know what I mean? He's their six man. He's the guy off the bench who can who can take people off the dribble and set other people up outside of Draymond and Curry. So it's like you know these type of talent, being able to get this type of talent, you know, like the Nuggets do, for example, they get Jokic at forty one. You know, they take the chance on Bobo. They take the chance on Porter. Junior, you know what I mean? They get Craig, you know what I'm saying? They get Barton. Right, right. I mean, Murray. So it's like being able to draft players and, and, you know, that are good. And develop them. And develop develop them too. That's key. That's big. And THC, man, that's why I was high on on him because I'm like, with the Lakers being capstrapped, trying to win now, THC is going to be big because he can get a rotation spot now and – you know, in the future, because, like, you know, let's say next year, you know, you're definitely going to lose some guys for next year if you win this year. But knowing that you have somebody like TH2 who's young and can come in and take right. more of a role because he's young and he's going to want to get more minutes, that's great for them, especially when you look at a situation where, like, Kuz might not be here, you know, next season. You know what I mean? So, but if you lose Kuz, guess what? You, you're most likely going to retain THT because it's cheaper, and he's going to be able to come in and step up and fill up that position. So, Hitting on late picks is crucial for teams. I mean, I think somebody said nobody wanted to sell the Lakers a second round pick this year. I can, I can see, why. <laughs> I can see why. You know, they they tired of they tired of hitting on picks. So, but yeah, man, being able to pick up those picks is crucial. I think Vogel will find a way. I think 
Uh, I think Rye told me about selling Wes and Keith on playing less minutes in the regular season. And I actually think that would work because for Wes and Keith, I know they're probably not even trying to overwork. It's not, about stats, it's not about stats for them right now. It's not about stats for them anymore. Yeah. It's not about stats for them anymore. You know what I'm saying? They just want to play in the big game. And, you know, and obviously in the big game, you're going to need to play Wes Matthews. You know what I mean? Right, if, you, right. if, you play, if you play a big team, you're going to need to play, you know, Marquise Morris. You know what I mean? So they know that they're going to get their, their rotation. They're getting their money. So it's like you can sell them on, hey, you know, on these nights when we play the Chicago Bulls, you know, we play the Sacramento Kings, play the New York Knicks. Hey, man, we're going to try and play, you know, THC some quality minutes tonight, you know, they're going to be like, okay, cool. You know, off night for me. <laughs> so, yeah, just, yeah, the, the Lakers are set up pretty well as far as their rotation goes. But just the, the big omission, obviously, the first two preseason games, no Bron, no AD. There's been, you know, plenty of uh, conversation about how to handle them on a 70-day turnaround to a season. Uh, I'm of the mindset that they need to low manage. They need to low manage. They obviously carry the biggest toll uh, going in the, pretty much the longest season ever, uh, they played 38, 35, 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever, be extremely conservative with their rest this season. I'm okay with that. And then wrap it up as the playoffs get here to get them ready. That's where I am with it. Where are you with how to handle, you know, Brian and AD coming off a short off season? Yeah, I said uh, they shouldn't be playing thir- more than 30 to 32 minutes a game. I mean, really, if you look at it, somebody gave up me a screenshot of the 2013 to 2014 Spurs where, like, none of their guys average over 30 minutes, like 29.7, 29.8. Like, that's where Brown and AD got to be. They got to be, like, 30 to 32. And the team is so talented. The team is so deep. I mean, they don't need to be playing those minutes, and they don't need to, to be exerting themselves. You know what I mean? They can be playing the type of minutes the Bucks play. You know what I mean? Where they're only just getting 30 minutes, getting their numbers, and they're going home. You know what I mean? Because you have THC off the bench. Like, you saw the Priests game. I mean, the the Clippers played their starters, bro. They they played their starters, and they were struggling. So, you know, it's not no fluke what the Lakers bench and the Lakers, uh, you know, reserves can do. So, you know, they're not going to need to play that much minutes. Uh, they, they're they probably going to be very uh, conservative with the rest, knowing they got this depth. They're going to be like, you know, hey, you guys need time off. You know, take this time off. Uh, they did it with Caruso when he had his nagging hip injury first game. They're like, hey, just don't even play because there's no point. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need you out there. So they're going to be very conservative with, with it, and I think they should because 71 games from the finals, I mean, it's about the finals, man. It's not about, right. you know, regular season glory. It's about winning the chip, and they definitely got the team to win the chip, and they definitely got the team to get through the regular season. So they're not going to force nothing. Yeah, we see eye to eye on that, man. Just play, play it safe. Uh, it's a short off season. Keep guys ready. Obviously, and you know, I think LeBron and more than anybody knows how to manage his body at this stage and in his career, so he'll, he'll know when to dial it up and when to, when to dial it back. So I'm, I'm not worried about that. I was just curious what you, what you thought they should do and what, you know, was the topic of conversation. Um, you know, that, that that's our Laker talk for tonight. Let's, you know, that's obviously, you know, who we're pulling for. Let's talk about some of the other teams that are, that are trying to take the Lakers crown. First off, we'll start across the hall uh, with the Clippers. Obviously, the uh, big thing in the offseason, they, they decided to uh, let go of Doc Rivers and promote Ty Lue one step forward. Um, they won the Ibaka sweepstakes, quote-unquote. You know, he was a, a big um, big fish for contenders to show up their center spot. So they, they, they add, they add uh, Ibaka. Um, Ty Lue, championship level coach who has uh, won recently 2016 with the Cavs obviously with LeBron uh, what do you see for the Clippers because for me they're relying on internal improvement I think what I said was at the least 
Ty Lue will not play favorites with veterans. He will put, put whoever produces on the floor. And I think that's where the Clippers kind of messed up last year, insisting on uh, Lou Williams and Trez. The combo wasn't working, you know, when you had man on the bench. Um, yeah. Michael Green should have been starting to me the way he was producing right. at some point. Right. And then just obviously the defensive numbers with Zubak. And Doc would get on the post-game interviews and say all our centers played bad with Zubak. Obviously, was, <laughs> was producing. So, just right. where are you with the Clippers? And just obviously, the 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 big story it was Paul George blaming everybody but himself for what happened in, in, in the bubble. So, where where are you with the Clippers? And what do you what do you think is going to have to happen for them to work this year? Man, uh, Paul George just don't just refuses to learn his lesson. Um, <laughs> that's just what it comes down to. I mean, that's just uh, playoff P just wants to keep being playoff P, I guess. But you know, I'll, I'll be obje- objective and saying I've been objective to Clippers and say you know they did get better. You know, what I mean, Trez wasn't a good fit for him. Ibaka is a much better fit offensively and defensively for them. I know Ibaka defensively is not the same person he used to be, but he does offer length. You know, he does offer more size down low for interior, uh, you know, the defense. He's not the switch big he used to be. But, uh, you know, the the, the Clippers aren't, aren't going to be switching with their 1-5 pick and roll too much. I, I anticipate mm. now that they have the proper size, they can run a proper drop coverage with, with Zubac and with Ibaka. So I don't anticipate much switching from that 1-5 one, one to five pick and roll anyway. But they have good size on offense and defense. They got good spacing. Um I feel like the Canard trade is going to be good, but it, ha- it has to be – it can only be good if they get rid of Lou Williams because him and Lou Williams are just redundant at this the point. Defense, uh, man, the defense, man. And their defense is garbage. I mean, with Canard, he has more size and he has more uh, he has more uh, shot-creating ability. Not, in term, not better than Lou Williams shot-creating, but in terms of, like, he has – he just has a bigger body. So, like, it's, he, he can be hid better than Lou Williams can be hid basically because of uh, his his physical measurables. So for right. me, I think they have to move Lou Williams. Like, they have to move Lou Williams. Like, at this point, now that they got Kennard, there's just no there's no functional role for Lou Williams, really, like, that that can't be served for anybody else. And, like, they need to play man. Like, they, yeah. they need to get man more minutes because he has good potential on defense for them to, to solve a lot of their problems off the bench. So they need to play man, and they need to get – they need to find a facilitating point guard that's going to be more defensive-oriented. That's exactly what, what my thing was. It was like Pat Bev yeah. is good for what he does, but I'll say this. The Clippers' offensive numbers are going to look great under Lou. Just right. like Doc Rivers. My thing was in these playoff series, even when the Dallas games they lost, when it started getting away from him, they don't have a guy who can organize the offense and say, hey, let's mm-hmm. get this look. That is where their problem yep. was in the playoffs. Like They played bad defense, but when it came time to get let's get a good possession, it always right. went to Kawhi Iso. Right, ISO, PG, ISO. Yeah, so it's like they don't have a guy to get them organized. We're going to get you in this spot and get you to the free throw line, right? And so I was here, Kawhi, here, Paul George. That's their answer in in tough spots. And I think that's where a pure point guard with some experience who can take over offense would do them them some well. So um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they made a look at, took a look at at George Hill. Right, that was the first name that came to my mind just now. If he took a look at George Hill later in the season, I know OKC is selling, selling, selling for for anything, any any young players or picks. (laughs) They're they're, they're, they're taking them. They play 2K in OKC. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But that's my only issue for the Clippers. I, I love their roster. I don't love the point guard situation. I don't love the defense of their bench. But I will say they did definitely upgrade at coach. 
and they upgraded with the um, Ibaka edition. That, that's what and I think. I think Batum will be a sneaky, a uh, good pickup. I know it, it, it's not showing because he's starting, but when Marcus Morris starts and he pushes Batum to the bench, you know, they're going to have that uh, backup lineup of, you know, Zubak, you know, Batum, Patterson. That's a good defensive uh, front court. Man. man and then, man, if they put man and play more man in that th- in that rotation from Kennard and Lou, um, and if they trade Lou or Kennard I guess, and get a better facilitator, they, they're really looking pretty good because Batum can facilitate a little bit, you know what I mean? He can shoot the three. So, you know, they, they, they're they solid, but, uh, you know, I, they better, they need to avoid Phoenix. That's, that's just all I need. To, yeah, that's, that's all I know, man. They need right. to avoid the Suns. And then just obviously the other hot team that, you know, our mutuals is obviously the uh, the Warriors. Um, I'm higher on the Warriors than, than everybody else is pretty much. I know the Clay injury was was devastating given about what they were expecting to to have but I will say that their front office uh rebounded well able to get um Ubre and I think Wanamaker is actually underrated addition he was really good in Boston in the spot minutes he played so I think he'll be a good backup PG for them so they don't have to play men uh, Nico early um they got Looney back healthy he looked really good against the mm-hmm. Nuggets the other night so what what do you think has to happen for the Warriors to you know achieve their potential for me, which to me is a, is a second second round playoff team, possibly depending on their first round matchup. Where where, where are you what do you think they need to, to to do to get to get there? I know you're I know you love Wiggins and Ubre, so go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Steph got to be Steph, man. That's just what it comes down to. Steph just got to be Steph. If Steph Curry, Steph Curry, they 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 can be anybody. In, in the in the first round, you know what I mean. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. I mean, he's gone to the second round with worse. This is not, and this team is not has talent. You know, Wiggins has talent. Ubre has a little talent. You know, Draymond Green will now be playing with athletic defenders around him, and with Wiseman, with Looney, with with Wiggins, with Ubre, with Bazemore off the bench. Mm. You know, with Pascal as well, who's another good piece off the bench. I mean, there's talent on this team. So if Steph Curry, Steph Curry. I mean, you know, this is a uh, might be a dark horse uh, Western Conference Finals team. Yeah, what I said was, what I said, what I was high on them is, this is the most athletic the Warriors have been in five yeah. in five years. Even they went, they weren't this athletic. So mm-hmm. that's where I was like, so even as that Steph and Draymond age, being able to surround them with athletes is yep. a little better coverage for them as they go as they slow down physically a little bit. So uh, that, that's where I am with the Warriors. Um, I think the Nuggets. Moving on, we're kind of in agreement that the losing Grant was kind of a big deal for them because where yeah. I was with, with Jeremy Grant was the Nuggets were not a good team, but when they went against certain teams, they say, like, okay, Grant, don't let him go off, and we'll work yep. around that And because yep. we're not a great defensive team. And that's where, if you watch, he was great on Kawhi when I see mm-hmm. him that tough, like, touch and go. He was played great defense on Kawhi Leonard. I don't see they have, like, Jermichael Green is like a super poor man's version of him, but he won't give them what Jeremy Grant gave them. And I think they just feel that hole, and it's huge because now you have the threat of benching Porter when he wasn't defending. There's no threat to bench Porter now. Like, you right. have to play him, and he's going to get hunted. And we saw the first preseason game. His, like you said, it's such a short turnaround. He wasn't going to develop defensively in that short mm-hmm. offseason. And he's just the, the same bad defender, whether it was effort or ability, with his back, but I don't know what it is, but he's just not a good defender. And I think Denver may have taken a step back from, you know, third team in the conference to kind of that, that second tier middle pack. So where, where are you with that? Yeah, I've been on the time I said Denver got worse and not just because they lost Grant, but they also lost Craig. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, when, you know what I mean? Cause when MPJ was bad, 
they just benched them because they had Craig and they had Grant, who right, both right. could hit threes and they both could stick them on the best wing. And so, you know what I mean? If Grant was hired, they'd be like, all right, Craig, you go guard the wing. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just took turns with Grant and Craig on Kawhi Leonard and whoever the best wing player was. We know in LeBron James, too, same thing. They just took turns with it because, like, you know, MPJ, you can't guard him. Though. We just going to have Grant and Craig split the 48 minutes between both of them and just guard the best wing. But they don't have either of them. Like, any, like they don't have neither of them. So, like, you have to play – MPJ. <laughs> like, right, that's what I said. There's no, there's no, there's no threat. Like, hey, I'm gonna bench you if you don't defend. Like, you got to be out. Right. There. You got to trust, to be out trust to him to. And I think he's gonna take a big step offensively just with the more touches. So I expect him to be in the, the most right. improved player conversation. He's gonna actually gonna average more than nine points with a normal minute rotation. But the right. other end is what I'm worried about about for him. Yep. So just last, yeah. Team, yeah, last team in the West, I want to talk about that that made big waves <laughs> this year. Uh, not making big waves, but one guy is is the Houston Rockets. Um, they have a very unique situation. Um, mm. Apparently, Harden was upset with the with the ownership after the bubble. So was Russ. They were able to move Russ for for John Wall, bring in Christian Wood and Demarcus Cousins. But Harden is adamant that he does not want to play for for Tita, uh, anymore. Allegedly, I, I was like, that's a cop out. That like I get the issues with Fertitta. My thing is that team has given you everything you wanted and did everything you asked yeah. for in the last <laughs> the last yeah. four years, and you just yeah. didn't deliver. So I'm kind of torn with that with, with where Harden is, but he's asked out. My thing is if he bought in, that is a better team than what they had last year if he buys in. So where where are you with the with the Houston Rockets and what they brought in? Yeah, man. I mean, I've been looking at preseason games, and with I mean, we always knew Wall and Boogie had the time, but the issue was how they looked physically. I mean, Boogie looks amazing. He's slim, all that weight, he's yeah. in shape. His, his, so he's he's not putting no pressure on his legs now that that the other that the weight was being put on him. So he's he's, he's agile. John Wall is still explosive, and then they have Christian Wood, who's who's dynamic. You know, as a four or five type that can stretch the floor and, and place physical. Like you said, they have more of a real team this year than they did last year. So if Hardy wants to buy in, I mean, he can he can make a Western Conference final with this team. In the that's, what I, that's what I said. If he buys in, that's a legit team. If he, if he buys in, this is a legit you know competitive team in the West if he cares to to play for them. But but that's the problem. I, I think at this point he he's over it. But it's like like you said. I mean, what do you want? They let you play the play style you wanted to play. They got you the players you wanted to play with. I mean, at this point, it's like, man, like, if you want to leave, that's fine. But, I mean, I, I get it. I don't know what Fraterda did internally, <laughs> but in terms of on the court, I mean, they basically gave him what he wanted. So, I just I, I just don't get it. But, I mean, I, I expect this to happen. Remember I told you in our podcast. That was it. You said they're going to blow it up. I remember you said that. I said they're going to blow it up. I already knew it was going to happen. I saw the body language. I mean, I said, these these people are not coming back next year. Like, I none of, like these guys are not coming back. Yeah, I mean, you, you kept, uh, you know, you got Eric Gordon still there, Daniel House is still there. Like, that's a decent team. You got a decent team. DJ Tucker's still there. So, here, so sliding to the other conference now, we talked about the team who was rumored to be wanting James Harden, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so, first of all, the, the, seeing KD back out there tonight, that, that was awesome, man. Just, yeah. um, just not even just for him, just seeing somebody who to move well after an Achilles injury, it right. just gives you so much hope. He moved really well. Uh, physically, physically looks great more than a year off um, I'm happy to see her Kyrie looked amazing um, I think we've discussed this before Kyrie is best as a second banana where he can just kind of play off another star and not get doubled yep. and do his thing 
Mm-hmm. They could when they you can saw against uh Washington when they can't double off KD, he gets to go one on one. There's just nothing you can do with him. He's just right incredibly dynamic. The issue is the other end, however, <laughs> cannot stop anybody. Even a 26-point lead with the regular wow. rotation playing. Um, so where are you with the Nets, man? Obviously, I, I heard you talk about what they need. So go ahead and tell me what you need the Nets need to to, to maximize their, their window here with these two, two main guys. They need a trade for Aaron Gordon as soon as possible. They need to be able to guard power rings. As, as they're constructed right now, any team that has an inside, a dominant inside presence will destroy that team over a series. I'm talking about if you have, like, a Giannis, if you have a Joel Embiid, if you have an AD LeBron, if you have a Jokic, if you have inside presence, you will destroy that team because they don't have resistance in the inside. And the perimeter DJ is done, man. DJ used to be that guy. He's yeah. done, though, man. He's done. He's done. And, and, they're, and it's, it's already bad that they don't have good interior presence, and their perimeter defense isn't good. So, so it's just like it's just bad all over the place. I mean, people were talking about they had the 10th best defensive uh, rating last year. But, I mean, I mean, like, for me, like, I don't know how, I don't know how to judge that because – you know, they were playing – they're playing a bunch of different guys, you know. That's what I'm saying. It's not you know, the same rotation. It, was, it wasn't the same rotation that they have this year. Like, like you know, somebody like Bruce Brown, for some, for example, people say he's a great defender. He was playing a good amount of minutes. 30 minutes a game. He ain't playing 30 minutes a game. He, he didn't even – he hasn't even played – I don't think I've seen him on the court this pre, the, in the first preseason game. You know what I mean? Where's the minutes for him going to come from? So it's like, it's like guys who were good defenders who were getting good amount of time last year aren't going to be playing. You know, so it's like you have to put guys who are going to play around KD and Kyrie offensively and who also can complement them on defensively. So that's why they need someone like Aaron Gordon because he's going to be able to check power wings. And for some team like Giannis, he's going to be able to be that initial defender who's going to set up the wall because the rim protector, the five who sits underneath, he's the back end. You need somebody with a strong chance like Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be able to – absorb the Giannis contact and funnel him into the wall. And you need smart premier defenders like Andre Iguodala, like, you know, Fred VanVleet, like Kyle Laurie, who's going to come from the perimeter down to the wall to help. Like, those were elite defensive teams that shut Giannis down. And, you know, elite defensively coached teams. Like, Brooklyn is not about to is not about to do that, bro. And then, and then people are going to be like, well, they're just going to outscore everybody. Like, People have said that for elite offenses for how long in the NBA history? Like Phoenix how Suns, many, 2004, Phoenix Suns. How many years people need to see that you need to play defense to win in this league? You can't yes. win yes. without defense. You can't. Because at the end of the day, somebody's going to stop you. So you need to get stopped. Like, you know, if you look at Brooklyn, if you look at Milwaukee and, they, and you match them up against Brooklyn, you mean to tell me a team with Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton, Dante won't be able to get a stop here and there on Brooklyn. Right. Like, yes, I know Kyrie is dynamic. Yes, I know KD dynamic. They're going to have a good series. But you mean to tell me they're not going to – those elite defenders are not going to make them work to score and be able to get stops here and there? Of course they're going to get stops. You mean to tell me somebody like Philadelphia 76ers with Ben Simmons, with Danny Green, with Joel Embiid, and with Ty Boy, you mean to tell me they're not going to get stops? Of course they're going to get stops. Of right. course the Celtics with Jalen Brown and Tatum and Marcus Smart is going to get stops. So you have to be able to get stops to get the ball back for yourself. And it's just, it's hard to see. It's just hard to see with Brooklyn right now where the stops are going to come from. 
That's what because I they're going to play. They're going to play Harris who can't defend. You know, Dinwiddie's he's right decent. average he's defensively. He's decent. Yeah, he's decent. You know, and Levert same thing, average defensively, but they're no showstoppers. Torian Prince is average defensively at best. You know what I mean? Allen's a slim rim protector. He's not physical. So it's like, where's the you know what I mean? Where's the stops going to come from when it gets to the nitty gritty? When you have to dig your heel, it's just who's going to do that? I mean, they gave up a lead with their starters to the Wizards G League team. And the Wizards are a good offensive team, don't get me wrong. But they didn't have Bill, Burtons, or Russ. Right. And they right. came back from 20-something. Like, that's just showing like you that, that, too. It was a quick. It was just like. Yeah, it wasn't like over the course of the game where the Nets put their scrubs in and they just let the lead dwindle over 12 minutes. No, they came back in like two minutes. Like, that's a problem. That's a that's a microcosm of a problem to come during the regular season. So I don't know. But for me, they're a second they're a second round eggs. I kept them at the Eastern Conference Final until they get hit power wing defenders and, and or or perimeter defender. Like I've capped them just right now, but I think they'll make they'll make a, a, a you know a move. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, moving on, obviously a team that I, I think finally did the right thing. Seventy um, Sixers. They brought in Daryl Morey from. Mm-hmm. And to run their basketball ops alongside Elton Brand, I think that is as good as you can do to maximize the spacing between Embiid and Ben Simmons. I think if it doesn't happen this year, as far as a finals berth, you just got to be on your two stars because yep. there's no reason to complain about the roster anymore around them. So, uh, you know, obviously I'm not the hugest Doc Rivers fan. He's not a big adjustments guy to me. Doc is a more Doc is more so is we're going well, we're gonna run, we're gonna keep running it. And we just gonna have to out execute. He's not a. I'm gonna switch this up, switch this up, and you know work with the Celtics because they got a bunch of vets who know how to play. But in this game and age, where the game and game in the playoffs, where things change, matchups change, adjustments. I, I don't know, but I think Philly. This this is as far as roster composition. This is their the best shot they've got to get to the finals they've had under the Embiid Simmons uh, tenure. Where where are you with Philly? Yeah, man, I think the same thing. Um, Seth Curry, that's as good as he'll get for a floor spacing point guard. You kept Shake Milton, who was shooting lights out, who was dynamic at scoring, showed some dynamic ability at scoring. You got Danny Green, which as much as we get on Danny Green, I mean, again, <laughs> him just being on the floor, teams just respect his shot, like regardless if he's making or not. And he still hit at a 37% clip last mm-hmm. last regular season. That's still that's better than what Philly has ever put out there for, you know, for most of their tenure of Ben Simmons and NBA. Yeah, I so, think my, my team is even 35%. And I, he might right. get there. So, you know. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, Tybalt is even improving his stuff. And then you gave Tobias Harris the coach that got him to produce at his highest level in Doc Rivers. So Doc Rivers will get the most out of Tobias Harris because he's done it before. So that was that's good for Tobias Harris. He will now be used effectively. So like you said, it's just going to come down to Ben and, and Embiid. Um, Ben and B, man, they got they got the players around them both both ways, defensively and offensively. And you know what I'm saying? They got um a coach who's who's been in the who's been in the wars. You know what I'm saying? You know, Doc has his issues, but he's been in the wars. You know what I'm saying? He he can coach some offense, you know what I'm saying? He can give he's he knows how to, you know, get his stars, you know, looks that they want, you know what I'm saying, offensively. Um so it's gonna be up to Ben and and B, man. Yeah. How serious? How how much do they want to win? How how serious do they want to get better? Do they want to maximize the potential and the talent that we all see in them? Um, you know, does Embiid want to stay in shape and keep being in shape? 
you know, does Ben finally want to be aggressive and, and take the shots he we know he, we all know he needs to take? Man. These are they got to do. They just got to do it. Right, right. And then uh, the team has kind of been under the radar and kind of stood pat. Um, aside from a couple minor visits with Miami Heat, they're the runner-up um, for the championship. Took the Lakers six. Um, they pretty much stood pat. They added Avery Bradley. They got to sign Bam to an extension, well-deserved. I, I love Bam's game. I think he fits the Heat culture to a T. Um, where are you with Miami? I, I think, you know, they're, they're a, they have the pieces for, for a realistic James Harden deal. Um, there were reports that, you know, they were looking to throw in Tyler Harrell. I think that is a bunch of gas coming from somebody's <laughs> camp. Tyler Harrell's not going to stop you from getting James Harden. Not, Definitely not. Um, but I think even if they they don't go, um, like I said, I think Spolster's the best coach in the NBA. Yep, we um, agree there. Definitely in the conversation. They'll be a tough out regardless. Everybody's going to age a year. Um, I think that team's relying on development from certain young guys. Like Hero and then Robinson, Robinson, yeah, they're pretty much pretty much standing pat. So, uh, what do you see from Miami? Yeah, I think that I think that I think they got slightly better in terms of like you know adding Bradley. Um, uh, I know they lost Kyrie, but they had a Harkless who's a, who's better defensively than Kyrie. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll you'll lose the shooting ability, but you'll get better defensively. Uh, so I think they I think they have. I think they got slightly better because they, you know, they're better defensively now with with Brad, with uh, Bradley and with uh, with Harkless. But uh, you know, it's it's, it's going to come down to their if they don't trade for Harden, it's going to come down to the development from Hero. Right. Yep. Uh, it's going to yeah. come down to the health of Drogic, and uh, it's going to come down to none too as well. Can none finally be a consistent piece? And you know what I'm saying, not be a liability. If he's if he's consistent piece off the bench, I mean that gives them again more dynamic scores, and they can play that team uh, heat culture ball that they've been playing. So, and uh, so it's up it's, it's up to the development. They're betting on the young guys' development, yeah, or you know, or how I really see it, and how some of the people I've been talking with see is that I feel like they're just waiting on Giannis <laughs> to see if he's going to really sign the extension. If Giannis signs the extension, I think they just go all in for Harden because I mean at that point, you know, got that's that's the that's the best available guy. If Giannis is locked in for five years, you know, next your next best bet is just going in for Harden. So you know, yeah, you know, and, I, I, and I'm guilty of this. You guys, guys get their jokes off about Harden, but he's a you know top three scorer in the game, right? Yep. He's been in wars with the Super Team Warriors. They had mm-hmm. KD. They had him in a game seven. Uh, he's had moments where he hasn't showed up. But I think, you know, you, you got to have that guy if he's available and he's in your team looking to get over the hump because, you know, Jimmy plays some out-of-his-mind games. Asking him, to, asking him to replicate that playoff run again, especially right. the playoffs, is, is tough. I think Harden, you have to get Harden, even if it costs you hero and some picks, but the opportunity to pair Jimmy, Bam, and Harden, right, for, even for a two-year window, I think you got to take that shot, right? If, if it comes yeah, to that, you got to take that shot. I think you. I mean, I think you definitely got to take the shot. I mean, that's your. That's Miami's best bet to capitalize now in the now. You know what I mean? So if it costs you Hero and a, and a, and a bunch of picks, if it costs you like Hero, Dragic, you know, some of those salaries you have to you signed in to potentially match for a sign of trade or whatever. If it costs you that, go ahead and give it up because you know you you got James Harden, you know Bradley, Harkless, Butler. Bam. Yeah, right. Just and if you keep and if you manage to keep Duncan Robinson and you know throwing none at somebody else instead, shoot, 
You right yes, there. Yeah. <laughs> right there with anybody. So I mean, you're literally right. You're literally right there with anybody. So you know that's that. I think it all comes down to what Giannis is doing and what he plans to do. Um, word on the street is he's going to sign the max at some point. So right. I think they're just waiting on that. Right. And then the last team in, in the East I want to kind of go over is um, I think is undercover right now is is the is the Raptors. Um, they lost. They lost their their, their two headed center monster to the Lakers and Clippers, uh, which I think mm-hmm. they, hit. they did add Aaron Baines. I think he covers up with he added what he brings with Gasol and and he boggles it offensively, but defensively they obviously took it not not the same as those two guys. Um, I think they are relying on also Miami on internal development from Pascal and especially my most improved player pick OG Ananobi. I I, I love mm-hmm. I've been on that kid for. At the beginning of last year, I saw him. I was like, this kid's got something. He's not just a, a 3 and D guy. Um, some of the moves I saw him make in a preseason game the other day, I, I'm all in on this kid. I, I think he – this is a spicy take that I agree with, and some people have said it. He might end up better than Pascal, and I think that sounds like Pascal's a, a pretty good player. So what, what do you think, Toronto? I think Toronto was missing another shot – missing shot creation. Have every, everything on the team you want except a, a legitimate go-to guy. So that's like they're in a tough situation right now. Yeah, I mean, Toronto, uh, they lost Mark. They lost Serge. But, I mean, I think they got some good young guys. I think uh, Buker's a really nice, young, athletic guy. I like, I like Chris. I like Chris. I like, I like, I like Buker a lot. Uh, uh, Fred Van Fleet's a dog, obviously. They still kept Lowry's leadership. Uh, you're going to need – Obviously, Norm. Yeah, yeah, Norm, too. He's, he's going to be consistent. You're going to want Pascal to take that next step. You have Baines for the stretch five. But yeah, it's gonna come down to uh, a lot. Is gonna come down to OG and Anobi. You know, um, is he gonna be? Is he gonna be an all-star type wing? You know, that's that's kind of what they need from him for them to remain a competitive dark horse team or an attractive team for that you know star trade or that star pickup that's gonna put them over the top. For them to be that attractive team for that, for them to be a competitive dark horse is gonna depend a lot and Anobi and his development. I mean, but he has a talent defensively, he's obviously he's he's locked in, but he has a lot of uh, skill sets offensively in terms of uh, you know, getting to the rim, <clears throat> being able to create space with his size. And uh, he's improving his handle a lot every year, you know. Yeah, that's what I see and he's adding to his uh, uh, skill set to to his game, you know. And uh, so if he develops into, like, a 25-5 and five guy, I mean, that's going to be huge for for Toronto. So it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's up to Ananobi, man. That's their ceiling at this point. It's just Ananobi. <clears throat> Slight oversight, but we got to talk about it. The Boston Celtics, offseason, off I said, if they get a, a real center, they would be my, my, my kind of sexy pick to get to the finals. They yep. added T.T., I think if TT still has something in the tank, they're a tough out. Because I, I, yeah. I like no disrespect to Tice, but Tice got absolutely annihilated by Bam. <laughs> Man, I remember that one article. Somebody, the scout, said it was going to be a wash, and he was right to an extent. He got washed, all right. <laughs> so, so it was a wash. Somebody <laughs> got washed. <laughs> so, you know, I was about to, they need to add a real center who can play in the playoffs against against Bam and not get completely annihilated. Um, I think Bam's better than TT, but I don't think he'll he won't physically overwhelm TT. Like he'll beat him mm-hmm. other way. So I think adding TT to that team and getting the internal growth again from Tatum with his shot selection, Jalen Brown becoming more of an all-around player, making better decisions. Um, my one issue for them is 
I don't. I, I've never been in love with Kimball Walker. It's tough to hide guys like that in the playoffs. It is. They, it ran, is into it. they, they ran into it with it. Uh, at some point, it's just okay. We're going at him every possession until they change something. So where are you at Boston? I know Kim was out for a few weeks, I think, or maybe longer than that. What I was reading. So where, where are you at Boston coming into this season? Yeah, man. Um, I I don't know what happened with the Indiana talks, but. If you would have gave them Miles Turner, I know Miles is kind of more soft than TT on Turner defense, but just his athleticism and his rim protection. If you would have just gave him Miles Turner and that sp- floor spacing three, I would have said they'd go into the finals. Um, but uh, TT, TT gives them a physical interior defensive presence. He's more physical inside than Miles Turner is. So I think, you know, it's going to come down to more so to, you know, we'll. Tatum be able to play make enough to, to, you know, to offset it. Because, you know, the thing that Miles Turner would have done is he would have gave him a scoring threat from the five where, you know, yeah, you don't have – where even if, you know, Tatum and, and, and uh, Brown or Kemba weren't doing enough facilitation-wise, you know, Miles Turner would be a guy they could do to say, hey, you know, our guys are struggling to generate good looks. If you have a mismatch, oh, snap, we'll go to Miles, Miles Turner. You know, he'll be able to generate offense. Uh, TT can't do that. He's just more going to be more of a rim runner type. You know, he's going to be more of a – Yeah, break the – you know, attack the glass. So that's why I like Miles Turner because offensively, defensively, he would have put them over the top, in my opinion, in the East. Uh, I think TT will definitely solve them defensively, I think. But like you said, it's going to come – it's going to come down to Kemba. Like, they can't – it's hard to hide small guards. Like, small guards in the in the playoffs are a problem uh, <laughs> defensively. Like, yeah. they're just a problem defensively. And two, like, they need easier offense. I mean, you're not going to win taking Marcus Smart jumpers, man. There should be no reason Marcus Smart is, Marcus Smart is taking pull-up jumpers, contested pull-up jumpers. Like, there should I remember be, you said it before. This, before I think they won, a, they won a couple games. You were still yeah. like, nope. You were still they won, a, they won a few games or they won a game one or something where Marcus Smart was talking like, bro, this is not, they're not winning the series like this. That's sustainable. And they didn't. <laughs> they didn't like it's just you're not gonna win the series like if it takes Marcus Smart to do that for you to win the series you're not winning the series so you know what I'm saying like they need somebody who's gonna be able to get generate offense to where that's not an acceptable look you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like it's not an acceptable look that Marcus Smart is taking a contested jumper like that's not good offense and they need better offense and better decisions from you know their guy so that people aren't fighting in the locker room after you know after the game and the playoff game because you took a sidestep three. And you didn't have to take a side step. Yeah, I just think so. Tatum, Tatum just got to get better shot selection. I think he's at a point yeah. where, like, he's your guy. You got to trust him, but you got to get get it to his head. Like, okay, we need a better look than that. With the yes. Line. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think they're 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 a contender. I mean, what's more to say? They can beat anybody in the East. Mm-hmm. They match up well with anybody. Um, I think I would lean towards Brooklyn outscoring them because Brad Stevens' offense always disappears at some at, at times during a game. At, at the worst times during a game, <laughs> Brad Stevens' team's offense always goes away. So I would think KD and them would outscore Brooklyn. I mean, outscore Boston, but they can definitely defend, you know, uh, Brooklyn. They got all the wing defense for Dick, for KD, and they got the guard defense for uh, Kyrie. And now they got interior defense to help who can switch. TT can switch. So, uh, they they can be anybody, you know what I mean? They got it. So it's, it's up to them to execute. Yeah, I just think being in general going on all these teams and, and their potential, I think the, the key word, the key like concepts or foundation service, like that parity is is back, man. Like yeah. all it's like all these teams are just okay, they got a chance, they got a chance, they got a chance. I think it's gonna make for just a, a 
real exciting season going forward. I can't wait. Man. I got the league pass booted up. I, I can't wait to check out you know, this team and that team and, you know, even the young kids I like to watch for teams that's not going to be contenders. So I'm excited for the season, man. 72 games means the games are going to mean that much more. You don't have that much time yep. to catch up if you fall behind. The load yep. management is going to be different because the playoff spots aren't guaranteed, especially out west. you got 11 teams fighting for eight, 10 spots and then eight spots after that because of the play-in tournament. So it's and we haven't it's talked about one big factor, COVID-19. If your man. star gets COVID-19, he's out automatically for two weeks. Yeah, see, that's that's gonna hurt somebody. <laughs> they're not. I that was funny because they they asked Luca and Luca said he was like, "Who's gonna win?" He was like, "Whatever team avoids COVID gonna have the best chance <laughs> to win <laughs> the championship." And I don't think honest, he was lying. That's the honest, yeah. honest truth. Bron catch COVID in the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers are done. <laughs> right. So my question is, do you think? Do you think not, uh, it was expensive? But do you think they go to a not for the playoffs, maybe the conference final or the semifinal go back to a bubble format possibly, or do you think do you think that's it? You know, with less teams, you can pull that off in the, in the series. I think it's going to depend on the regular season. Uh, I think it's going to depend on the regular true. season. They're, they're going to see how that goes, but if it gets to a point where it's a it's kind of a problem, I can definitely see when it gets to playoffs that all right, we can't risk having you know, like we can't hit risk having LeBron not. You know, miss two weeks in the playoffs. <laughs> right. That's just gonna tank. That's just gonna tank our ratings. You can't miss. We can't risk KD and Kyrie not showing up for the second round. You know, because they got to make it not competitive. People won't watch. Not yeah, it's 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 just not it's not good for business. So I can see them if it comes to the playoffs. It's like all right, we're just gonna go back to the bubble format. If it's a if it's a if it's a bad regular season of COVID cases, I can see that happening. Um, if it's a good, if it's held good, if it's if it's handled appropriately, um, then I can see them say, okay, we're just gonna keep doing our rapid testing, you know, keep doing our screening and all that stuff, and just maintain that, and keep our rules in. So it's just gonna go, it's gonna come down to the regular season. I mean, the preseason has been okay; we've had COVID cases, but uh, the teams have done a good job of you know limiting that. So the preseason hasn't been too crazy. You know. It's hard to compare to football. Football has so many bodies, but just compared to the NFL, right. the COVID is under control in the NBA. It's like less than one yeah. percent football every week. I think half the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens team caught the caught COVID. And we, had the, yeah, we, we had we had games delayed. Yeah, games delayed because of COVID. Man, it was it's bad in the in the league. Right, right. So that's a wrap, folks. Episode one. Appreciate you tapping in. King's first episode as a co-host. Knocked down. Next week. We got the big season preview episode. We're going to do all 10 playoff teams in both conferences. Mm-hmm. We're going to give our award preview, our award predictions, and choose a champion. And it's going down. We definitely will argue. I guarantee that because I'm sure yeah. the award's going to be different. I can't wait. Anyway, hit that follow, subscribe button, tap in, follow Kings on Twitter, underscore it's Kings, bruh, myself, Jason Maples, JJ Maples, 55 underscore MST. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Drop us feedback. and We are out of here. Thank you for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.